Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. So everybody, welcome to the CEOs Forum um, with a collection of CEOs that we're very lucky and leaders in business um, who will introduce themselves when it comes around to their turn. But that we have a group of the five of us sharing with each other a bit of a conversation about the, the best leadership tips we were given and why they've meant something to us. And um, so I'll, I'll begin. And in fact, I'm going to share um, one from Emma, Emma Kane, uh, the CEO of SEC Newgate. And um, her first tip was never have any other business, AOB, on an agenda. It's the best way to get ambushed in a meeting. It's important to circulate the agenda in advance and ask for all items to go on it. Or if they're not covered, they'll be picked up in the next meeting. And I so agree with that. What we tend to do at the end of a meeting is we have a burning issues round. What is an issue we haven't discussed in this meeting, which we do need to address it at the next meeting? And that actually then forms the agenda for the next meeting, because you can prioritise among them all. Everybody gives one and you can prioritise among them. But what will be the topic for the next meeting? But don't get ambushed. Great, great tip from Emma. Thank you for that. Um, my, my first tip from experience was um, one that my, um, my mother always gave me, but it served me very well, which is everybody you meet has something to teach you if only you'd listen to them. Everybody you meet has something to teach you if only you'd listen to them. And I think it, it strikes me again and again that I've learned things from people. I, I worked for a, a very difficult general who was very grumpy and liked to terrorize people that uh, he met. But actually I learned how not to behave sometimes as much as how to behave with people. And um, just, just everybody I meet, they, they have a story to tell. What's their story? I find that very useful. So that's from Emma and that's from me. Uh, Brian, uh, do you want to just introduce yourself and where you're working and, and what would be your, um, your first uh, leadership tip you were given? Thanks, Jonathan. Um, I'm uh, Brian Hayworth. I'm the co-managing partner of uh, Landstand Partners here in London. Um, I've got two, if that's okay, Jonathan. One is both from um, senior colleagues who I used to work with um, at JP Morgan. Um, one was around client meetings, which was, um, uh, I often remember it, which was that um, in every client meeting you go to, try and do three things, particularly in meetings that with people that you don't know um, or you're being introduced to try and say something uh, intelligent to give yourself credentials, uh, try and say something vaguely amusing to set the scene and try and say something that scares the crap out of them <laughs> to force them to concentrate on real life business issues. And although it sounds a bit silly when you actually think about those seed things, many great meetings and great business people tend to do those things 
fairly naturally, I think. Um, and then the other one was a, a very good friend of mine called Tony Best, who was my uh, boss for a long time at JP Morgan in the 90s, who said, uh, Brian, blah, 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 but try and take more business risk, which is an odd thing to say to a banker, given that we're supposed to be minimizing risk. But what he meant by that is that you're lucky enough to work for a huge firm, you get a decent salary. So all the things that you think are risky, by which I think he was meaning internal politics and saying what you think and talking truth to power, when you think about it in relative terms, um, aren't particularly risky. It's not as if you have mortgaged your house, set up a business. And um, that both those uh, two pieces of advice um, have I often refer back to many years later. Great, great uh, tips. Thank you for that, Brian. Um, Mark, what about you? What would be your first your first tip of, of any? I guess my first one, and it's not so. Mark Fleiner, I'm the uh, president of Malvern Panalytical. Um, I'm actually American, as you can tell by my clever accent, but I'm based in the UK right now. Um, I guess what I'd like to start off with, Jonathan, is, is one I heard years ago when I started my career in GE, I had an opportunity to sit in a, a customer session with Jack Welch. And, oh, wow. and uh, one of the individuals, one of the customers had, had asked him about kind of leadership tips and things like that. And I remember Welch using something, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not word for word, but I've used it a number of times. He had this line, it is what it is. Don't wish it is something different. Mm. or don't pretend it's something different or don't hope it's something different. But mm. uh, I think a lot of times what we end up doing is, is trying to paint a picture around something, hoping that it goes away. Um, and I think his, his, so, you know, our, 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 our approach, our, my approach today is all about run towards it and don't run away from it. And it's a, it, it, I'll never forget the, the scene we were in because it was a relatively small customer venue and here's Jack Welch at the time as a you know icon industry leader and uh and and I was like a relatively junior individual with a senior couple of customers at this event and uh and yeah it was just one of those tips that stuck with me for it well it stuck with me for my career mm, it, was, it was a great bit of advice thank you for that Mark um David, we'd like to introduce yourself and and what uh, what is your first uh, top tip that you've been given? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm from Ireland, as you can probably uh, guess. So I, I run the European operations for the Great West uh, Life Co Group, and um, and before that, I ran the the Irish Life uh, Group uh, within Ireland. And I suppose going into that job, I got a tip just from the outgoing CEO, and it was around I suppose making space, you know, particularly where you're. Uh, leading a large group and he talked about you know just say great sports people and what differentiated the sort of best sports people from you know maybe people that weren't as gifted or talented was was just their great skill at at, at making a small amount of space for themselves in in competition and how effortless they made that and and he said just in business particularly as a leader it's very important to make that space for yourself and, um, you know, it's something I found useful because to do that, it does force you to do things. It does force you to delegate well. It sort of stops you getting sort of stuck in the weeds and, you know, thinking strategically like you should do. Um, and then I think as well, it 
to, 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 to get to delegate well then you know and really make space for yourself it forces you to be to be very clear with your people because you're not comfortable I think delegating unless you can be very clear on, on what you want and what you, you expect so you know I found all of that flawed from that sort of very simple piece of advice about making space for yourself yeah that's great uh, advice and before I hand over to Lee I think uh, it's just uh, talking to Sophie Neary, uh, uh, who's the director of Facebook, and uh, in her podcast, she, she'll go in more detail when her podcast comes out in a, in a couple of weeks, but she talks about the fact that um, in one job, which she, there was a restructure and she lost a job, she never saw that coming, and they did, uh, they promised that she was going to keep a job in the acquisition, and the day of the acquisition, she lost a job, so they hadn't kept their truth, which was hit her principles hard but she then had a sabbatical for six months and had the best time of her life and all the headhunters said don't go no don't go you know in your 40s you'll never come back you won't get a job it'll be difficult you know you've got to keep keep on the ball she said no she took six months out she went kite surfing in southern Spain she went to Nepal and trekked in Nepal uh, and then she did skiing in Chamonix and she came back completely renewed completely refreshed and I think the lesson to all of us, and Brian, I know you had a, a good holiday recently, is that we do need these holidays. We need this time off. If we keep working ourselves to the bone, you know, Lee and I are going to take some time off uh, from uh, a week today and 10 days off. And uh, we're hoping if COVID allows us to go to Madeira. And, and it's really important to have that time and not to work because then you come back twice as energized and twice as refreshed. So, Lee, what would be um, your, your first top tip? Okay, so um, first of all, Lee Bowman Perks, uh, wife to Jonathan, um, but also founder and CEO of the Inspiring Leadership Trust, which is a charity to empower women and girls around the world, as well as uh, an executive development organization um, that we run as well. Um, I'll go back to earlier on in my career, actually, when I was first starting out, and um, I was told that you know, to be really, truly successful and happy um, within my career, I had to flip the switch from looking for external validation all of the time to internally validating myself. Um, and, and I think that was a really important lesson. I didn't learn it straight away. I think it took time over my career because I was always looking for that external validation for quite some time. I think it's something that you grow into and, you know, with, with, with maturity. I wish I'd learned it sooner. Um, but it meant that it cr created some derailing behaviors. So how I showed up, how I, the inner gremlins, the dialogue that I was having with myself, the competition that I had with others around me, just a whole kind of range of behaviors that I look back on now and I go, actually, it just wasn't about you. You didn't have to go to that space. And if you just focused on what you were great at, um, what you brought to the table and reduced down the noise, then you could have showed up even more inspiring in those moments. So a really early life lesson that took many years to complete and even that gremlin still sits there occasionally with me now I think with so many people um, and so it's something that I've got to watch out for uh, along the way too. Great a great tip thank you for that Lee and um, Emma Kane who couldn't be with us has uh, shared a couple more which I've, I've got in fact she's got a few and they're they're very short but very uh, pithy. Um, uh, here we go so never ask a question you don't want to hear the answer to, which is really good. And I remember um, Prince Philip coming along the line and uh, at a Santa's parade and he would go, so where are you from? So I'm from Ghana. Good, good, good. 
And, and how are you getting on? Uh, I'm very good, sir. Thank you. And how are you? Very good, sir. Thank you. How are you? My mother's just died, sir. Good, good, good. Next. And yet he could, he wasn't listening. So yeah, never ask a question you don't want to hear the answer to. Her, her third tip is never say, I'll give you a call or let's do lunch if you don't intend to. And it's very much a London thing. Oh, darling, do come and have dinner. I once turned up on somebody who said, do come and have dinner. I said, well, you invited me to dinner. Oh, we didn't mean it. I said, oh, okay. Well, where I'm from uh, in Yorkshire, we tend to mean it. Her, her, other, her other tips, always focus on the red lines uh, on any transaction at the beginning and not the end of the deal. It saves a lot of time and money. If certain things are deal breakers and you'll never get over them, find out fast. I'll save her other tips for later, but those are great tips. Um, the other one I read in a, a book recently, I, I can't remember where I need to give the credit to, but it was um, always remember rule number six. And uh, the other person said, what's rule number six? And it's don't take yourself so damn seriously. And that's been uh, one of my problems throughout my career. Certainly when I was an army officer for 20 years, I took myself far too seriously. And I think you need a little bit more humanity, humility and humor. And uh, people like working for someone who's got a bit of a sense of humor, a bit of a sense of fun. It lifts people by about, I think they say 25% in performance uh, in a team with a bit of humor. And of course, you're always interested, what's rule one to five? And the answer is, the no, there are no other rules, just rule six. Don't take yourself too damn seriously. So I like that one. Uh, Brian, uh, how about you? Have you got a, another tip that you'd give from your experience of, of business and life? Uh, just on mute, Brian. Um, no, I think that's a, I would say, I mean, this is fairly standard, but, um, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think, um, having the confidence to be yourself, um, and for the first 20, 25 years of my life, I was, uh, or certainly my career, I was definitely trying to act a role that I thought was appropriate for what I was doing. And then for various reasons, I sort of, um, managed to sort of shake off some of those sort of shackles and you know I wouldn't recommend behaving as you would late on a Saturday night at work but um, trying to be uh, consistent and one piece of advice that was given to me by someone completely outside of the professional world was um, you know imagine that you're um, imagine that you're whoever you want to insert, you know, wife, boss, guardian angel was watching you at all times and reflecting on how you showed up in different parts of your life and um, making sure, therefore, that it is authentic has been, um, it's not a very pithy one, but I hope you get the gist. I do. Very useful. Thank you for that, Brian. Um, really, that really strikes home. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark Kleiner, how about you? What would be your next one? Yeah, I've got one. It's uh, I can't recall where the credit is due, but it's um, it's called uh, shoulder taps. Okay. The shoulder taps are these things that, uh, and I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a couple examples this week. Um, shoulder taps are little things when you're moving through life, and somebody something's tapping you on the shoulder. Okay, not physically, but but um, virtually, if you will. And it's usually saying something to you. So being, being as Jonathan, as you know, being a Christian, you know where my shoulder taps come from. Mm. Uh, 
but I was th this week I've been spending time in our Malvern UK facility and we've got a you know return to office so so people are kind of assimilating back who have been working remotely for 18 months and uh, you know walking through the hallways and you see somebody off one of the engineers or one of the manufacturing folks or one of the finance folks or whoever sitting there they're by themselves because we're not heavily populating the facility the shoulder tap is hey I, I know you've got to go do that but go over and say hi to that person okay you go over and say hi to that person you start having a conversation all of a sudden you get into who they are what they do how they're plugged into the company and the, the shoulder taps for me is this is about engagement and i think if you think of covid right now you know, we have this opportunity to really change the way we engage our employees. And it's interesting, the, the, this, this, this shoulder tap, it's really easy to walk right past that shoulder tap. Okay, but kind of pay attention to the shoulder taps, or sometimes I'll refer to them as my spider senses, uh, and go over and, and you know, don't, don't ignore them. I think that's my, that's my point. I can't think of where I, where I got that from, but uh, that's uh, that's my that's that's one that just touches me every day. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good one. Uh, it's just that little tap on the shoulder, or there's that little reminder of the things you know you should be doing, but just it's a bit hard to do. It takes a bit of effort. No, great. Thank you for that, Mark. Uh, David, what about you? What a, what other tip would you share that you've been given over? Yeah, I can share one. I just liked that one you said earlier about never ask a question you don't want to hear the answer to. Um, but and I'll get on to my tip in a second. My my dad was a policeman. He used to always say, as a policeman, you never ask a question you don't know the answer to. Um, and I suppose as a leader, it's different. We don't know the answers and, and we do have to ask lots of questions. Um, but my my tip was something I heard from, again, was going back to my previous role. We had uh, Joe Smith, who was, um, you know, Ireland's most successful rugby coach. So he was in uh, talking to us and he was an incredibly successful coach and a very technical coach. So I, I was surprised with his tip. It was to, to keep it simple. And he, he joked about rugby forwards and um, that they weren't the most intelligent so he was he was joking but he he was saying they could only ever do one thing at a time you know so it had to be a single instruction and it was always just instruct them at any point in time what what the next step was um but it did mean he had very focused teams and they didn't have to think about actions and they responded very quickly to two environments um so again i think as leaders we reflect a lot um and you have to be transparent, but I think you have to be careful not to share your reflections all the time as well. You see, you just you need a balance of these things, and and sometimes you just need to keep an organisation sort of very focused and and keep things simple. I think that's really, um, really good, and it's just reminding me of another one of a poster I saw before I hand over to Lee, um, and it said, "Life is a test," and he said, "If life wasn't a test." You'd be told exactly what to do, where to go, when to do certain things. But life is a test. Just remember that. Um, Lee, what about you? What would be your next uh, tip that you found from experience and Goodness. life? Um, I'm going to uh, think of the articulation of this. I remember interviewing um, a very senior director um, for my book, Inspiring Women Leaders, um, a few years ago. And she was facing so much pressure from within the organization to massage the results because the organization was getting hammered left, right and center um, externally um, because of the service delivery and sales tactics. 
and she was leaving that organization crying, waking up in the middle of the night, going and to the point where her hair was falling out, her hairdresser noticed that her hair was falling out. And she was told by her colleagues, just say yes, just do what you need to do to get through. And that was the advice. And, um, and I suppose drawing on that, her own lesson, and I suppose um, lesson to me was just absolutely know what you stand for and what you say no to and create very distinct boundaries around that and don't feel the pressure of um, power, position, whatever, to, um, to falter. Mm. Um, and in the same respect, in, the, you know, in a position as leaders as well, sometimes we forget about the power, the position, the authority, the influence that we do have. Um, as much as, you know, th there's so much out there that says about, we, we've all got positions of leadership and we should all speak up actually, um, is to know that sometimes we are put in positions of power and authority by our people and silence does not absolutely mean agreement. And so to really tap into create trust and understanding with our people so much so transparency that that dialogue can always happen, that you're staying true to your values and you walk the talk in an organization. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my one tip, stay true to your value system. Yeah, very true. And what a, what a shocking story of, uh, and we have this time and again, where people find they're getting pushed into doing things that are just in that gray area. And, and while leadership is in gray rather than black and white, people should know what they stand for and what they will not fall for. And um, I think that's, that's very true. Um, which takes me on to some tips from uh, Emma. Um, her, one of her tips was uh, Emma Kane, half for attitude, not for ability to purely pass exams, either job or career. Is it a job or is it a career? And um, I really just expand on that. You know, you, you, you look for people based on knowledge, skills and attitude, but attitude is the one that will define their altitude. You can train them on their knowledge and you can develop their skills, but if their attitude is wrong, you, you, you should not hire them. And this is what they call the keeper test in that book that I think I've shared before about no rules rules by the CEO of Netflix. And um, what he said was, it's the keeper test, is if this person said they were gonna leave and go to another organization, would you fight hard to keep him or her and, and do anything in your power to retain them? Or would you just let them go? And if the answer is you would let them go, why have you still got them now? Because they've already failed the keeper test. So just look at your team and, and pass the keeper test rule over them all. If they, any of them were to go, would you fight hard to keep them? And if you weren't fighting hard to keep them, then they should go. So attitude is everything. Um, you can train people, but you can't change their soul was another tip that Emma had. So this is back to Mark. It's so lovely you to make this point about stories and people's life stories, so important. Uh, and by learning people's life stories, you get to know their soul. What, what is it that shapes them, has made them who they are? And that's where their soul comes in. And uh, another tip from her is pick your battles. You don't have to win every point. And um, my old general who worked for me said, Jonathan, I have a quiver with three golden arrows in, which as an archer, I can fire these and they will hit the target and the target will go down and I will win. I will win. He said, but I've only got three arrows in that quiver. And when I fired all three, 
I reach for them and there's nothing there. So I've got to pick my battles and some of them are just not worth fighting on. Is this something I'm prepared to put in so much effort at this time and for what, for what outcome? And the other thing he said, I, I always ask myself, has anybody died? Because we got things way out of proportion. And the bottom line is, has anybody died? And if not, are we not getting this way out of proportion? Um, so that would be uh, what's, what's come for me. Um, Brian, what would be another, another thought for you? Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's a sort of similar theme, Jonathan, which is um, this idea that one thing that I'm trying to get much better at is um, saying no and uh, prioritising. I felt most of my career in client-related um, activities, and now I'm uh, in a different role, which requires me to be sold to rather than constantly being selling so it's something that I find very very difficult is and we've talked about a bit in our one-to-one -one sessions which is about um, saying no prioritizing and being able to um, uh, really spend my time doing things that are in the best interest of the firm not things that are in my comfort zone so that's something that I'm finding very difficult um, and um, but interesting um, how small steps in that direction make me feel more productive and I hope I am being more productive. Mm, great no great great points there thank you for that um, Brian I'll just before I go to Mark I'll just pass on two more from Emma um, these two never be late for a meeting it is rude and you're saying I am much more important than you are and also I think remember at the level that you're at as president or CEO or co-head um, that when you pull out on a meeting with some people or you're late for it you're not just affecting one person but there's a whole cascade down your organization by you shifting your diary around and moving someone out or not showing up for it. And so just be aware of the shadow that you cast as a leader. It's a very long one and make sure it's a positive shadow that you cast rather than a dark negative shadow. And link to that on meetings about not being late for a meeting. Meetings don't have to be an hour long. Indeed, just like this session, it's gonna be about 40 minutes. 40 minutes they find, or even two chunks of 20 minutes is about particularly with our attention spans uh, reducing to the size of a TikTok comedy sketch. Um, people's attention spans are not for now. Just because it's a unit of time in the calendar uh, doesn't mean, or in the day, doesn't mean you should have a meeting for that long. If you start at 10 past the hour and finish at 10 to the hour, everybody's grateful. They've got a little bit of time to prepare. You've got time to think about the meeting before it starts. And also they can then get upstairs or get online to the next call. So don't keep it going all the way to the end. Aim to finish five minutes beforehand. They're very grateful to you for that. No one thanks you for running over on a meeting because it crashes into everybody else. So that was from Emma. Um, Mark, what's, uh, what's yeah, your- I think, I think, I, think my, I, mean, I could go on and on about stuff like this, but I, I think one, there's, a, there's an individual I'd, he pushes out, his name's Brian Knight. He pushes out a uh, kind of a daily couple paragraph called the daily, I think it's called the daily discipline. 
but he finishes every one with a really clever phrase. It's called, um, everything is training for something. Do the work. Mm. Okay. That. Yeah. And I think it's one of these things and, and it's, you know, his content isn't, it's not going to, it's not life changing, but it's really simple foundational things that make you stronger, faster, better every day. Mm. But I just love the phrase and it's at the end of every one of his things. Everything is training for something. Do the work. Yeah. You know, whether it's something you're doing professionally, personally, whatever, do the work. It doesn't yeah. come for free. Yeah. I love that. Really good tip. Thank you for that, Mark. David, how about you? What um, bit of wisdom would you uh, share? Yeah, it's probably um, there's some parallels with that quiver uh, metaphor or analogy and has anybody died, but um, I suppose more it was an observation from a leadership style from a law leader I had, and it was around the power of brevity. Um, so he, you know, particularly in meetings and, and that when he did minutes or summarized afterwards, it was never more than a few words or, or a few bullets. And um it takes a lot of effort to think that through. And I found if you can think through things at that level, strangely, it does make you very calm. You sort of stop reacting to things as you happen and it really forces you to think through what are the underlying issues and and, and what's going on. So so I think, you know, the, the focus on brevity can, can make you uh, think very good analytically and really sort of try and get through to the underlying issues. And it keeps you very calm then as well when there's problems. I, I love that. That's really good. Thank you for that, David. Uh, Lee, what, what other experience or tip would you pass on? Oh, um, from one of my favourite authors, um, and she wrote the book, The Promise That Changes Everything. I won't interrupt you. And I, I absolutely love that concept. And I think it links with um, some work that I'm actually writing on at the moment around conflict management and relationships and emotions. And um, and how much we come into conflict. Um, and so how we develop the skill of disagreeing well, um, that isn't fueled by our own biases and assumptions and um, our own self-deceit, because that's, that's you know, how we're built, how we're kind of made up. But how do we break down that? Well, the, the way that we can do that is through really great questioning, through really great listening, um, not taking things personally, a personal slight, and that sometimes we can just be wrong. So how open are we to different opinions, diversity of thought and contribution? Um, and bringing that into the fold. And, um, and I think it's one thing to say it, but I think it, our egos sometimes get in the way um, of, of really allowing that to happen. Um, so beautiful book by one of the most amazing authors that absolutely practices what she preaches. She shows up listening and questioning and then holding the space so others can think. Um, and I'm a lifelong learner in this space, so um, not, not always a lifelong doer. So uh, especially being Irish, passionate, um, gift of the gab is just sometimes holding it. And I'm not always right. And just allowing the space for us others to, to thrive and to think and create and collaborate. Fantastic. Thank you, Lee. Well, I'll go around for one more round and then I'll summarize with um, a, a final tip myself. If I um, just uh, shared a, a couple, it's this, um, uh, this, this thing about your support team. If you build a imaginary support team around you of people either alive 
or dead or a combination of the two. But whenever you're facing a particular challenge to have that support team with you, almost around you as you're as you're dealing with this issue, A, to give you courage, but B, a, a bit like was discussed earlier so beautifully about the fact that they're watching you and they're seeing your behavior when you, you're being morally challenged or you're you're tempted by something the devil or whatever the character might be that you imagine they're with you. And that expression that Mark Flynn and I talked about, WWJD, what would Jesus do in this situation? Or what would my father do in this situation? Uh, serves you well. And linked to that is this idea of, of the power of visualization um, to, to motivate you. And I, I was just describing to the team how when I'm doing a workout in the gym on my own, I'm quite self-disciplined, but sometimes I'm lucky enough to, Lee has a very good personal trainer and I get a session with him once a week. And, and um, I find that very motivational when someone's there. But if I'm on my own, I have to visualize it. And if I'm trying to do a particular exercise, whether it's a pull up or a, uh, a press up or whatever it might be, and I'm right at the end of my energy, I visualize the Spartans in training uh, for the Battle of Thermopylae and how fit and how strong they were and how they, they went through incredible endurance until eventually they were all slaughtered um, but or, or my friend David Hudson who who trained did so well with the, the SAS and I imagine them with me and what would they be doing and I just pull that extra bit of energy and and push it out so I find that that helps me that visualization or imagining a support team around you um, Brian what would be your final tips that you'd like to share um yeah, it's been a great conversation, Jonathan, as always. I think building on that topic of courage, two things that sort of strikes me. One is, I think it does take courage to be yourself and to try and be the best version of yourself, not the version that perhaps people are expecting or would be most comfortable in any situation. And also something that I am have been terrible at historically and I'm trying to get better at is prioritizing the courage to have the difficult conversation early I'm I have big to-do lists and historically I've always um put off the difficult conversation um and if I look back at my career one of those two that habit was damaging so I think it does I think courage and courage in the little things which kind of emotional courage perhaps rather mm. than hopefully in the corporate world you know, physical courage. Yeah, lovely. Thank you, Brian. Love that one. Mark, what would be your final tips that you share? I think um, it's interesting. We, uh, a year and a half ago, we went through an activity to uh, melt down, report our values as a company. So be true, own it, aim high. And one of the things I'm always testing our folks on is can you relate and apply your values both to your work life and your personal life and uh and so one of the things i just got back from uh, two weeks of being out on the west coast of the u.s doing some crazy mountain biking and um and one of the things we do some some vlogs inside of our company and um so i, I did a vlog around my mountain biking run so what, what does be true mean to me when i'm on my bike you're on hundreds of miles of, of single track trails in the old growth forest in oregon i mean just magnificent place you know, the, the own it is about being in the physical preparation, being physically fit, okay? The 
having the right equipment, having the right preparation. You have to own that as a writer. And then the uh, the third one is around uh, aim high. And I can honestly say I've been riding for 15 years, and uh, each time I go out, it's a little bit more stretching, put myself in a bit of an uncomfortable place, and um, and getting that adrenaline rush right at the end of the day. It's always interesting. I see companies that pin up these values, and can you actually really relate to them and apply them both in your professional life and your personal life? Mm-hmm. I challenge people all the time around values how do they, how do they how do they live within you day in and day out mm, i love that thank you mark a really really good one and um, yeah the applicability of certain values and and they've stuck in my mind many organizations struggle to get their values but um those three that that you have at uh, malvin panalytical uh, be true own it and aim high have stuck with me thank you uh, david harney how, how about you sir what's your final top tip yeah maybe the last one is um, around being being positive, you know, like you have to be very resilient as a leader. But uh, I think you you naturally have to lean towards the positive and and be optimistic and and then take that and and convert it into a way about being confident about what you have to lead on and, and what you have to deliver. And I think if you're if you're not being positive, you're not feeling positive. I think you need to take that as a sign because it's it's probably a sign that there's there's something wrong, you know. So you need to you need to listen to that. Good one. Yeah, I love it, David. Thank you. Uh, and Lee, your final your final top tip. Uh, oh, it's going to have to be in that legacy space, hasn't it? Um, as the as the final one, then. Um, I again, you know, I've just heard the expression again this this week. It takes a community to raise a child, um, and I think in the leadership space, it's almost like it can, takes a community of leaders to really help a community of their people really thrive. I think there's something in that, and that we sometimes get caught up in the here and here, day-to-day hyper-busyness, and that we forget that we're there's a significance about us, but there's a real insignificance about us. So what is it that we can do, we can affect positively day by day, but also in the long term, that really does turn into community on a bigger level? And um, What's our legacy? How do we give abundantly? How do we create a sense of community? And really hold ourselves to a higher standing um, and, and calling in life um, beyond just the day-to-day busyness. What, what would, could we lean into? And so I suppose that would be my final top tip. That's a, that's a great one. Thank you, Lee, uh, leaving, a, leaving a legacy. And so um, before I thank all our guests in, in a moment, I, I would just end with um, a tip that served me well and is linked to my days in the military as well as in business. It's the rule of three. That, that often if you're stuck, think of what's, what's the three things I want to make, the three points I want to make. My first point, my second point, and by that stage, you normally have got your third point, which is in. People can remember three things. I mean, Mark, you know, in, in your um, be true, own it, aim high, rule of three. And there's something with the, the triangle that humans love the triangle, one, two, three. They, there's so many things in nature and in, in, uh, in geometry that people are very comfortable with three, they can cope with three things. And so uh, that's where I bring in the uh, mission command, maneuver warfare from my days as a military officer. That was my paper that I wrote about when I was at the Army Staff College, is the British Army trained and prepared to adopt the philosophy of maneuver warfare, which is to pit your strength against the enemy or the opposition's weakness. And uh, it's, it's the antithesis of this was the Um, German general who described the British, the Australians and the New Zealanders 
but particularly the British. He said uh, at Gallipoli, when they were sadly all dying in huge numbers as they were going through the barbed wire, he said, wonderful fellows, the British, they always go through the thickest part of the barbed wire fence. And the, the German approach was always pick the gap, go through the gap, find the vulnerability if it's in your opponents. And so they talk about that their man, the Russians in their, in their maneuver warfare, the main effort, the Schwerpunkt, as the Germans would call it. Um, what's the main effort? You put your best people, your best resources, and that's the thing that's going to break through and make your name as a business and really succeed and deliver. Then a secondary and a tertiary. So the main effort, the secondary, the tertiary, the rule of three. And that if your main effort gets blunted, switch your resources and make the secondary or the tertiary your new main effort and then reprioritize them. But always have one is the main effort and that you put the best people and resources on. Then there's a second and then there's a tertiary. There is no such thing as it's all priority one, because if it's all priority one, nothing's priority one. So always have a main effort, a secondary and a tertiary. So if I could give my thanks to Brian Hayworth, to Mark Fleiner, to David Harney and to Lee Bowman Perks for your wisdom. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. And I know others would appreciate these tips. Speak to you again in a month's time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, Jonathan. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.